Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? Welcome into the Tuesday, February the 19th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football on the most popular Dolphins podcast in the universe. On today's show, the State of the Roster series returns as we take a look at the linebackers, plus Kevin Dern's excellent defensive scheme breakdown piece is up on LockedOnDolphins.com. We'll get into that. And Peter King and Albert Breer both have columns on Kyler Murray and what Miami will be looking at for the position at quarterback. All of that and plenty more. But first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, wherever you get your podcast from. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at NFL. The show is at LockedOnFins. And check out LockedOnDolphins.com where we are breaking our own record numbers every single day day every single week as more and more fans flock to the number one site in the entire Dolphins universe and last but not least check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams I am recording this podcast a little bit earlier than usual on a President's Day day off a holiday for me here no class no school just Dolphins football for me today And finally, enjoying some decent weather out here in the state of Washington on the central portion of the state. We've been hit with snow for the last couple of weeks, but things are melting. The sun is shining and my spirits are high. But I give you guys these disclaimers for the reason or the purpose of if there's some news that breaks later on Monday evening, like beyond 3.30 on the East Coast, because that's when I'm recording this podcast then we'll go ahead and have that on tomorrow's podcast for you guys. So do not fret. The news never stops here with the Dolphins as they made me work over the weekend. It seems like every move they make since Brian Flores became the man happens on a Friday or Saturday with the signings, the announcement of Reggie McKenzie, the press conferences for all the coaches. All this weekend work put all the stuff into Monday's show. But with that, we have plenty of content for you here on today's show. Let's go ahead and dive right in. That's another Miami Dolphins Looking at the linebackers on this roster, it's actually, I would argue this is the best the linebacker position has been since Zach Thomas retired, or rather was cut and went and played for the Cowboys, because Raekwon McMillan and Jerome Baker both have a lot of upside, and I think a lot of that showed through at the end of 2018. And just to go ahead and recap the money owed situation right now, the Dolphins do owe $10.1 million to their linebackers, which is all due to one guy basically, well below the league average of 18 million. And that kind of takes into account three, four schemes with four linebackers compared to three linebackers. And then obviously you have teams like Miami who are going to play probably one true linebacker at a time going forward. But the Dolphins well under budget there are going to get even more so under budget once they make one cut. We'll talk about that here in a second. But let's go ahead and lead this thing off with the best player on the roster at linebacker. And that's Raekwon McMillan. He's owed $892,000 in his third season next year. And I might have to have somebody correct me on this if I'm wrong, but I think that he gets another year of 
club control for the Dolphins as the, the entire injured season, I think, makes him an exclusive rights free agent or a restricted free agent in year four. But I'd have to check on that to be exactly sure. But it was basically his rookie season, one year removed from a serious knee injury. And after a slow start for him, he really came on like gang, like gangbusters, at least in run defense. From week five through week 17, Raquel McMillan was the second highest graded run defending linebacker from Pro Football Focus, trailing only Luke Keekley. That's one year off major reconstructive knee surgery. The upside is huge, and he's a great fit for this scheme with his knack for great run fits. He shows a great first step, never has the fall steps, and he flows exceptionally well downhill, playing in between the tackles. He's going to have a huge year in this defense in 2019 and beyond. And then his fellow college teammate at Ohio State, Jerome Baker, he makes $654,000 this year. And like Raekwon, Baker was a little bit late to the party in 2018, but he also turned it on post-September. Baker was the number 22 overall linebacker over the final 13 weeks of the season, removing those first four games of the year. And although Baker did excel against the run also, he was more balanced, providing value in coverage and as a blitzer. His pass rush productivity was very low though, but the reason it looked better was because of the five pressures he got, which is nothing. Neither of these guys had a lot of pressures on the quarterback, but of those five pressures, three of them were sacks. He can run, he can hit, he can cover. That's the new game. He's going to have a big time role on this defense off the edge. Jerome Baker and Raekwon McMillan, to me, as a positional group together, are the two guys I'm most excited to see going into 2019 to see where they can grow and how much better they can get. Now there's the guy we have to get rid of, Kiko Alonso, $7.9 million. He's a living highlight reel, both in the good way and the bad way. He hustles to the ball, and because of that, he finds a he has a knack, rather, for making the takeaway or the big play, but he's also on everyone else's highlight reel on the offensive side of the ball, whether it's LaShawn McCoy turning him around, Josh Allen making him look silly, or Christian McCaffrey sending him to the AARP line early on that Monday night game a couple years ago. Kiko just is not a fit for the modern-day linebacker in the NFL, and those dumb penalties and poor decisions and lack of quality run fits for this defense, all of that falls on Kiko's shoulders. He is a no-brainer to be cut. Now you go to a third linebacker that I'm actually also excited about, not as much as I am McMillan and Baker, but Chase Allen at $645,000 this year has a role in this defense. Now McMillan can play nosebacker where you have your defensive line sparsed out and you leave the linebacker over the center, but that's also what Chase Allen does well and he'll fit in that role very well in Miami's new defense. I think he'll be a limited player as far as what he is asked to do on defense, but he'll be a core special teamer and because of those two things together, he's a key player on this team in 2019. And then the free agent market, as far as what the Dolphins have to deal with, only one player heading for free agency. That is Stephon Anthony. He made $1.9 million. Wow. $1.9 million in 2018 for very little production. A Mike Tannenbaum special trading a fifth round pick for a special teams player only, just really poor allocation of resources on this roster. Anthony's never going to figure it out. He's just limited mentally as far as what he can pick up from the playbook. That was his problem at New Orleans. It was his problem in Miami, and he's going to be someone else's problem in 2019. Now, as far as the free agent market goes on the, on the NFL landscape of things, the big ticket item that would make a lot of sense for the Dolphins if they want to spend, which I do not think they'll do because they're so well positioned at this group to really spend or to save some money and spend that budget elsewhere on other positions, would be Anthony Barr as a strong side linebacker. Now, his coverage skills are very lacking, so he's going to be asked to play going forward and not do stuff in the coverage realm of things, as this defense will call for more defensive backs to do that. But I think Barr gets priced out of the Dolphins' range altogether. The one name I would love to see that would cost a pretty 
Penny, most likely, is Dayon Buchanan of Washington State and of the Arizona Cardinals. Hashtag go Cougs for the Washington State note there. But Buchanan is a hybrid linebacker and safety that can do, do things between the dime and quarter packages, allows you to implement the changes on that defense from down to down without making substitutions. He improves your run defense and gives you a matchup piece in the passing game as well. I'd love to explore him. But more realistically, the Dolphins figure to be looking at a former Patriot like Marquise Flowers for depth at the position, or maybe like an Eli Harold from the Detroit Lions. So while the linebacker market at free agency is somewhat lacking, the Dolphins figure to kind of sit on the sidelines for that position group. But what about the draft? We'll talk about that next here on the podcast, as well as a couple of interesting pieces from Peter King and from Albert Breer regarding Kyler Murray and quarterback play, but also Brian Flores' new staff in Miami. All of that and much, much more here next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find me on Twitter at Winkle NFL and the show at Locked On Fins. Tuesday in the middle of February here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Not a whole lot going on in the NFL landscape, but that doesn't mean we don't have things to talk about here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And we left you guys off with the free agent class at linebackers. And I want to pick things up here real quickly and get back into the draft class for linebackers because there's a couple of options that would make sense for the Dolphins at this spot. New Mexico State's Terrell Hanks, he is kind of that run, hit, and cover type of player that has a vast set of skills as far as range and playing and coverage. He is a former safety, but he does struggle to take on blocks so he could be a matchup piece in that way for the Dolphins if they want to draft him probably on day three maybe the end of day two also day three options Bobby Okariki out of Stanford again run hit and cover he is rangy and speedy also has some defensive back blood in his pedigree and North Carolina State's Jermaine Pratt also falls into that category. As far as the position as a whole, I don't think the Dolphins are going to go out and spend money on anybody high profile, like I mentioned in the free agency case. I think that adding someone like Marquise Flowers or drafting a Bobby Okariki, those are the two moves I would probably venture towards. So you have your Mike and primary linebacker, the guy that stays on the field almost every down, Raquan McMillan, your Will and secondary linebacker, who plays in a lot of sub packages as a coverage guy at linebacker is Jerome Baker at nose backer and a third linebacker on the roster and special team core player. Chase Allen is there. My other sub package linebacker is the rookie Bobby Okariki out of Stanford. If I draft him and then more depth at the position would be someone like an undrafted free agent or a low level free agent, like a Marquise flowers coming over from Washington previously of the new England Patriots. So those are your linebackers on tomorrow's podcast. We have the cornerbacks and we'll finish it up on Thursday with the safeties. Let's go ahead and change gears here though. And talk about the defensive scheme review up on LockedOnDolphins.com, written by Kevin Dern. He is at KevinMD4. If you guys go way back with me when I started all this stuff, he was my co-host on the Finalysis podcast, part of the Welcome to Perfectville branch back when we were with Sam and Chris of Perfectville. And he doesn't have as much time these days. He has a full-time job. He recently got married, so he is a busy man. So the work he put into this is greatly, greatly appreciated. But he posted some stats as far as what the Dolphins do from personnel groupings and using different packages like the half dollar, the quarter, the dime, the nickel, base package, heavy package. I mean, all of this stuff is very well spread out across the landscape of what they called. And granted, nickel defense is what they use more often than anything else. But they use dime and quarter an awful lot. And that's why I think the Dolphins are going to really usher in a new group of defensive backs because I've talked about it. Rashad Jones, 
TJ McDonald. Those guys are not fits for the scheme, and you might not be able to do it this year, but in two years' time, the secondary is going to be Xavier Howard, hopefully, Minka Fitzpatrick, maybe Bobby McCain sticks around too, and then a whole bunch of new guys beyond that because they don't have the personnel to match all these groupings they want to do and fit the roles that they want these guys to do because Kevin also notes that the usage of the defensive backs is pretty widespread as far as pre-snap alignment. Devin McCourty is a guy that plays everywhere on that Patriots defense. He had 19 snaps as an edge linebacker, 226 snaps as a linebacker, which is essentially lining up as a slot safety in dime packages, 27 snaps as a box safety, 96 snaps as a strong safety split, 143 snaps at slot, 143 more at the boundary corner, and then 354 at free safety, 257 as a free safety split. So you go over all those positions. That's why I tell you guys that Minka Fitzpatrick is not going to be a cornerback. He's not going to be a safety. He's going to play edge linebacker, inside box linebacker, strong safety, free safety, slot, boundary. He's going to be everywhere. That's what Devin McCourty did for the Patriots, and that's the Minka Fitzpatrick role going forward. Now you look at Patrick Chung. I'm not going to read over all these numbers for you guys and bore you. You can find them all up on LockedOnDolphins.com. Title, Inside the Film Room, Dolphins' New Defensive Scheme. But you look at what Patrick Chung and Deron Harmon did, the three safeties to go along with Devin McCourty, and how much they use those guys in a variety of roles, that's what the Dolphins are going to want to do. They're going to want to find guys that can play safety, but also offer help in the run game as linebackers, guys that can cover. It's a variety of tasks asked upon the defensive backs in this scheme as the as the league really trends more towards speed, athleticism, and coverage skills in the passing game. And the old, you know, neck roll linebackers, those guys are totally a thing of the past. And hopefully, finally, our defense actually starts to act like a new age defense opposed to what it was with Matt Burke in the past. Again, LockedOnDolphins.com, inside the film room, Dolphins new defensive scheme written by Kevin Dern. He did not leave any stone unturned. There is videos, there are breakdowns, gifs, everything you guys want to see on that piece, as well as my offensive film room piece up on LockedOnDolphins.com right now too. Okay, we are going to shift gears here and change topics and go towards a couple of columns written by a couple of former colleagues, I believe, and Peter King and Albert Breer, two guys that if you don't know who they are, you probably should, and I'd be surprised if you did not know, but Peter King spent some time talking to Lincoln Riley and wrote a great column about it on ProFootballTalk.com, or I guess NBC Sports, whatever that marriage is between those two outlets they are together for Peter King and he talked to Lincoln Riley about the idea of having this quarterback who might not even be five foot ten has a 40 yard dash time of 4.39 seconds just laser fast and has the agility of Tyreek Hill all of these nice pleasantries describing uh, Kyler Murray but then he talked about some of the difficulties Lincoln Riley might have had in putting in an offensive scheme to mask some of the deficiencies in Kyler Murray's game and Peter King asked Lincoln Riley what percentage of the time would you guess that Kyler threw from the pocket? And Riley thought about it for a few seconds and said 85%, probably 90%. And that is actually spot on what it was. According to Pro Football Focus, Kyler Murray had 336 of his 377 throws came from inside the pocket. That's 89%. So those concerns, they should be pretty much quelled. And Lincoln Riley doubled down on that saying that between he and Baker Mayfield, who was six foot, five eighths inches, you know, just under six foot one and a couple of inches taller than Kyler Murray. He said that never once throughout all the years they had Baker and Kyler, he can't remember there being a time where he said, we want to run this play or use this scheme or protect this way, but we can't because these guys are 5'10 or six foot instead of six four. It never really entered the equation. I don't think their pro coaches are going to have to think about it either. 
So I don't really know what more you need to hear. Obviously, a college coach is going to back his guy and give those praising words for him to the next level, projecting as an NFL quarterback. But he's telling you about the play calls. He's telling you about the scheme. And he's telling you data and facts from throwing from the pocket that Kyler Murray was not impacted by his height. So there's a bunch of great notes in this column. Again, profootballtalk.nbcsports.com on Kyler Murray and one coach's argument for why the small quarterback will have a massive impact in the NFL by Peter King. Next on the podcast here, I want to talk about another piece regarding Kyler Murray written by Albert Breer, who spent some time in Miami with Brian Flores, talked about Colin Kaepernick and Kyler Murray. We'll get to that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. We are talking more draft news as it relates to the quarterback position. Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, who are the best fits? What do the Dolphins want in the position? We talked about it on yesterday's podcast regarding the coaching staff press conferences that were available on Friday down in Miami. They talked to Jerry Shaplinski, the Dolphins quarterbacks coach, Chad O'Shea, the offensive coordinator, Jim Caldwell, everybody involved on the Dolphins coaching staff talked about what they look for at the position and just on the roster in general. And really, it wasn't just the quarterback. It was really more about hardworking guys, high character guys, smart guys that want to be there and want to love football. And we're going to talk about cornerbacks on tomorrow's show. And that's why I'm going to kind of downgrade one of the Dolphins' potential options at 13 at the cornerback position for a lack maybe of effort or a lack of love for the game. We'll talk about that on tomorrow's podcast. But back to the quarterback position. And yeah, you've you've seen the offensive scheme piece that I wrote by now. And if you haven't, check it out, LockedOnDolphins.com, new offensive scheme. And yeah, this thing is going to be predicated on the short passing game, getting the reads out pre-snap and making the correct decisions there and not deciding where you're going with the football pre-snap every single down like some of the less less intelligent quarterbacks do. But they're going to find a way to make the scheme work for the quarterback. And that was the number one note I took away was they want those traits, the intangibles, the hard worker, the leader, the guy that can command a room. Because once they get that, everyone can buy into that quarterback and then they can shape the offense around what that quarterback does well. Whether it's Kyler Murray throwing 89% from the pocket with those 10% design runs or getting him out on boots naked, getting him out flanked wide and throwing on the run. All of those things are possible, but he can still win from the pocket. That stuff is very clear. But I do want to read you a couple of notes from this Breer column. This one is on sportsillustrated.com, si.com for short, where he spoke to some NFL executives about Kyler Murray. I want to read them off for you just to give them to you. You can check out the entire article, which talks a lot about Brian Flores' new job in Miami as well. A great column for Dolphins fans everywhere. And Breer's first executive he talked to was called AFC Executive One. So maybe this is the Dolphins. Hopefully it is. I don't know. It says this, quote, This kid is way better than Lamar Jackson. Better arm, more accurate, better anticipation, better processor, better athlete. I think he's better across the board than Lamar. Lamar is just bigger. But that's not irrelevant. If I told you he was 6'3", you'd be all in, but he's not. He's shorter than Russell Wilson, and Russell is a lot stockier. He's a really good player. He does all the quarterback stuff really well. He's a great athlete. My hang-up is his size. So the size is going to be factored in, even though I tell you it's not. The NFL still hasn't quite gotten to the place yet where they're ready to get rid of size as a barometer altogether. I disagree with it. I know plenty of you guys do agree with it, but that's where we are right now. This next person is an AFC college scouting director. Again, the AFC 
Is it Dolphins still? And he's talking about Brian Flores in this column. Maybe it is. I hope it is. Here's the quote. Quote, he's a hard one. He's really good. He throws the ball well. There are no throws that he can't make on any level. And I don't think him being small is that big of a problem. But when you're small and you can run like he can, I'm not sure how you wouldn't be a little concerned. You have built it around. You have to build it around him, but he's pretty good. And you got to be real with yourself too. If you want to take him, you may have a second round grade on him. On him, I think a lot of people do. But if you think you're getting him in the second round, you're probably not, end quote. Yeah, I mean, he's a first round pick. That's very obvious. He's a top 10 pick. I think that's very obvious. I think he eventually winds up going in the top five to a team that trades up to go and get him. We'll see if that's the case. I think that's what will happen. Again, I hope it's Miami. We will see. This next quote comes from a person titled AFC Executive 2. Quote, at first glance, the passing skills are there. He's good. So it's just the size and can you tailor the offense for him? The weight is big because his body type, you're not sure he can get a lot bigger. Russell, Baker Mayfield, those guys have a thickness to them. They're broad shouldered. This, that's not this guy's body type. Even as lines have changed, he's still beneath the norm. And until we get him on a scale and measure him, that's going to be the perception. He also had a really good offensive line, great system. So we didn't see him getting hit as much. How's he going to throw from the pocket at our level at his height? So basically that all leads up to the most anticipated weigh-in in combine history. Kyler Murray, Thursday, February 28th. We're going to find out how big he is as Albert Breer writes again for SI.com. A great article. Check out both those pieces. Also check out Kevin Dern's defensive review. Plenty of content for us to chew on this time of year. That's what it's for, learning the game, learning these prospects. But as far as quarterbacks go and to tie this thing all together back to the Dolphins, the difference between Murray and Haskins is very vast. Haskins doesn't move. He's he's a he's a pocket stationary quarterback that might give you a scramble here and there, but he's not going to have designed runs and he's not going to scramble with his legs and make big plays that way. As far as Kyler Murray, he's the opposite. He can do everything with his legs. He might run the fastest time in the entire combine, which is crazy for a quarterback, but he also has the big arm. I think Haskins is better for a short zone type of picking apart offense. As far as making those short level reads, Murray can do it still, but I like his arm talent and the live arm and the ability to get the ball up and out of his release very quickly. I think both guys would be good quarterbacks for the Dolphins, but to me, Dwayne Haskins is a good level starter in the NFL, a guy that I would not trade up for. And as you know, Kyler Murray, to me, the more I get into this, the more I study him, the more I watch, the more I like him. So I'm getting to the point to where I'm ready to sell everything to go to number one and draft this guy because I think that he changes everything the instant he gets on your football team. I think he even makes the Dolphins a playoff contender next year because he electrifies this offense. And the NFL, even if he has a down year in his sophomore year, the rookie year will be will be so different from what teams have seen that it's going to be an adjustment period and he'll really take off early and have a lot of success in his rookie season. So Kyler Murray, again, that hasn't changed. I'm all in on that guy. But if they can't get him, Perhaps my favorite option as a number two option behind Murray is a guy we're going to talk about on tomorrow's podcast at pick number 13 at the cornerback position. We will get into that on tomorrow's podcast for Wednesday on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. But as for today, that's going to be my time. If you guys have a smart speaker, you can tell your smart speaker to play Locked On Dolphins podcast and load the show up instantly that way. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. 
keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.